7.34 nearly. So just to reiterate, in addition to those 104 confirmed infections here in South Korea, most coming out of the Daegu and Gyeongsang province areas, we also saw a first death associated with the outbreak yesterday with the caution that this patient um, in her 60s had been going to hospital for apparently a chronic illness for 20 years or so. So uh, that would be a a disclaimer, I guess, that people with underlying illness, people with uh, compromised immune systems are at particular risk. But all of us should be taking those basic hygiene measures that I went through before. We're going to catch up now with a couple of experts based in Europe. Uh, First, we have Professor Marius Gilbert, head of the Spatial Epidemiology Lab at Université Libre de uh, Bruxelles. Uh, Thank you very much for taking the time. I think we've got uh, an issue with the line, it sounds like. So um, in the meantime, let me just reiterate that another way for you to get in touch with us if you want to ask any questions of our experts based in Europe today, uh, although experts throughout the world in these realms like epidemiology uh, are all effectively singing from the same hymn sheet. They're all looking at the same data. They're all trying to figure out the roots of infection and they're all trying to figure out exactly what uh, the the situation with COVID-19 is in terms of its uh, its future. Uh, the two predominant theories that we've been hearing in the last few days have been that either COVID-19 is going to settle down at some point in the next few weeks and months and, and we won't hear much of it again, or it's it's going to be something that just remains within the, the general population as, as a, more of a chronic thing. Um, we are going to leap ahead to our our second expert that we'd plan to catch up with while we see if we can sort the line out with the first. So Kai uh, Kupfer-Schmidt is a contributing correspondent at Science Magazine and joins us in Berlin. Thank you very much for also taking the time. Thanks for having me. What's the, uh, the, the situation like locally there in terms of overall attitude and, and having a, a case total now of 16? Yeah, I think so. In Germany and I think in Europe in general, it's been um, quite, quite quiet. For the main reason that I mean, in Germany, for instance, we've had one cluster of cases um, touched off by a Chinese businesswoman, and then we've had a few cases from people um, coming back from Wuhan. But there has been very little spread locally, and all the cases have been mild so far. So people here, as far as I can tell, people are still very, very calm and don't seem as concerned. I think the the question everybody everybody's kind of waiting for a sign that this is taking off in places outside of China. Exactly, and that has placed South Korea front left and center in global headlines. Uh, although the the cruise ship situation off of Japan has arguably been the the main focal point outside of China in the last few days, but but the fact that we've seen it more than doubling just in the last few hours alone, and there'd already been a spike before that, and we've got more than a hundred cases and a first death in a, in a patient who had tested positive. So whether or not it was because of COVID nineteen or not, that must that must be alarming. Look, I mean, you know, the the pure numbers themselves don't always tell the whole story. I mean. When I look at the numbers as a journalist, one of the things I really look for is, you know, do we know where these infections came from? Uh, What concerns me the most and what concerns epidemiologists the most is if you have cases that pop up 
um, and you don't know where they were infected. There seems to be community spread, and you can't really tell. You're, you're clearly missing cases. Um, so far, what I've heard from, from South Korea, I don't have a number on how many, you know, how many of those cases um, are not connected to known transmission chains, but the fact that you've had these super-spreading events um, connected to this church, that's in some ways actually reassuring, because it means you, kind of, you know where these cases are coming from, and you can do something about it. Um, Singapore, which gives out you know, very, very detailed numbers, um, at the moment I think has eight cases um, where it's not clear where they were infected. That's the kind of thing that's, that's the warning signal. So I think at the moment, you know, South Korea, Japan, and Singapore, those three countries, I mean, people are looking at that and, and looking for that kind of data to understand you know, how much spread is that it's being missed. Yeah, I mean, we've gone from a situation where it looked like it was relatively under control. Uh, we, we were stuck at 28 cases for a few days, then it rose to 31, uh, then suddenly leapt into the 50s, and then into over 100. And, and as you correctly point out, many of them are associated with the same super spreader, it looks like. But there are smaller clusters that are unknown who they came into contact with. So we are in a danger zone now, you would suggest, over the coming days. Um, why do you think it might be different here compared with, say, Hong Kong, which also has a very heavy population and a relatively small geographical mass, uh, and in Singapore, uh, even with, with fewer cases than us here now? You know, I, I think at this point that's, that's pretty much impossible to really, to really answer. Um, I mean, there's always an element of chance, of course, as well. But there's also, you know, um, the more we find out about how exactly this virus spreads um, and what kind of contact is needed, um, the more, you know, the more we'll also be able to identify certain um, certain behaviors or certain certain events that might be particularly, you know, presenting uh, particularly high danger. And I think so far it's not clear. And, you know, some countries that, that look like they have less cases so far, they might just have been, you know, not as good at picking up the cases. So I really think, you know, the next two weeks are, are that kind of time window, kind of time frame where we're really going to find out, um, you know, have some countries missed a lot of cases? Um, or is this, you know, what we're seeing? Is this really all there is? And that will also put into perspective, you know, where South Korea is in this, in this whole story. We're um, getting information into us right now. We can uh, try to clarify as we go forward, but we're getting confirmation of at least one more case within this uh, religious group in the Daegu area, which would bring our total number of infections up to to 105. But again, um, wouldn't be entirely surprising if the number goes up further than that. And as you said before, the total number is less alarming than, than understanding the, the, the spread. China admitted that aerosol infection is possible. It only did so on Wednesday. D- didn't we all kind of presume that was a possibility, though, for some time? Yes, I, I think we did. And, and I think aerosol infection, that's also sometimes misunderstood. I mean, I think the main concern here is, uh, you know, the virus spreading in hospital settings. There are certain procedures, like you know, when you're intubating someone, that could possibly, you know, create an aerosol. And, and so you have certain, it's really, the question is how do nurses and how do doctors and how do other healthcare workers have to protect themselves in certain situations. So this kind of information is really important. We've seen an alarming number of healthcare workers be infected in China. Um, and this might be part of the reason for this. So, um, but it doesn't change the picture, the overall picture so much about how this virus is spreading. And we've been asking questions about the 
WHO's role in, in handling the crisis. Can you share your thoughts on that? As, as a journalist particularly, there must be a lot of questions. Even if they did so with the, with the kind of best will in the world, there would be questions. But it, it does seem like there was that initial cover-up and then a, a very extreme lockdown afterwards from one extreme to the other. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the role of the WHO, you know, um, I mean, I've been reporting on the WHO for a few years now, and, and I mean, it, it takes some time to understand this, this weird construct. I mean, the WHO, you know, while it's often seen as a kind of Ministry of Health of the world, it doesn't really have any clear powers. So if the WHO wants to have information from China, and if it wants to have access, you know, to send experts to China, the only way that it can do it is basically by the Chinese government agreeing to it. So, um it's really mainly about diplomacy, um, you know, about kind of keeping keeping that communication flowing and trying to, to, to keep basically the government in China happy enough that they will allow these things. So I think, you know, Tedros, as the director general of the WHO, has been in a really difficult position. Um, I think he's gone out of his way to praise how China has been handling this. Um, and I can't quite believe that, that, that he believes all of that. Um, but but he's also just, you know, been a diplomat. I mean, he's a politician. He was foreign minister in Ethiopia. Um, and he's, I think, trying to, to do what he thinks needs to be done now in order to contain this in China. He's been very clear that his goal is to try and really, really fight this outbreak at the source in, in Hubei province in China and at the same time try to keep it from spreading to other places and that way to basically avoid a pandemic. That's been the strategy. And in order to... to be able to to do this strategy, he has to have buy-in from China, and he's been trying very hard to have that, I think. Kai Kufa-Schmidt from Science Magazine, based in Berlin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And and it it is challenging connecting with European-based guests live on the show, given the time difference, but I can now say we have Professor Marius Gilbert, head of the Spatial Epidemiology Lab at University Libre de Bruxelles, on the line. Thank you for taking the time. Hello. Good morning. Um, we have, during the course of the last few minutes, had another patient confirmed. The latest case, number 105, is actually from Guangzhou, um, which is some distance from Daegu, but who had visited this church in Daegu where many of the cases uh, of the latest outbreak here or the spike in outbreak has been uh, reported. Um, how worrying would that be, do you think, that, that we've got somebody who's travelled hundreds of kilometres uh, and, and potentially over that time has continued to spread? Uh, even if we've got a cluster of cases in, in one place, the fact that they've been moving around, this is a showing signs of being so infectious that it would be surprising, wouldn't it, if if we didn't see another increase in cases here? Yeah, and, but it's it's not an, uh, uncommon in the sense. I mean, it is an extremely difficult disease to, to contain because, because of that and, and because of people's mobility. I mean, mobility of people is something that that is part of, people's right, what people feel as, as being their right. And when you have a cluster like this, it becomes a very, very major difficulty in trying to, to, to contain it. Um, but it's, it's something that has all countries have been confronted to, and there's no real alternative to trying to communicate with people, to trying to alert the people on, 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 on the risk. And the main difficulty is, is how aware people could be of their own symptoms. If, if people are, are, are sick themselves, um, 
self-care cleaning themselves is, is a very good practice and it's good it's very important to inform people about that but if they don't feel sick on what ground would prevent them from moving so so it's really a very difficult situation when you have a cluster of like like right that certainly and it's, it's really a challenge to control but people as i said they've been moving around we know that much we don't know how far the infection spread yet. Sadly, by the very nature of this thing, there's always this lag period of a, of a few days before we seem to get the fullest of pictures. Um, so, so it's fair to say this is a key time. There are economic considerations. Uh, say a nationwide lockdown, which might be unrealistic anyway, would be very damaging for the local economy. What would be the government's most appropriate response, do you think, now to, to try to contain this outbreak but to protect businesses and economic interests? I think in all those matters, things that has to remain proportionate to the spatially and geographically. Um, an entire lockdown wouldn't be justified. The key thing is that new cases being detected as quickly as possible and being traced back. Korea is still in a situation where I think the number of cases can still be traced, and, and, it, and it is still an option in terms of managing the disease. So clearly trying to prevent the movement in the most infected area and trying to detect cases as early as possible as they uh, are detected outside the area is really the only valid strategy that I can think of at the moment. The um, the advice that we're getting at the moment is just to basically take hygiene precautions. We'll probably get more information on uh, on any further quarantine measures or, or further advice uh, during the course of, of today. What would your advice be, or if you were here with your family, let's say, in, in Korea, what would your best action be? Uh, would, it, would it be to avoid mass events or is that even too far if you're based in Seoul, hundreds of kilometres away from, from this latest spike in cases? Oh, that's a very tricky question. Um, I, think, I think avoiding mass events, I mean, at the moment the outbreak is clearly not contained, as you, as you just highlighted. And until it is contained, there is a risk of um, events of what is called those kind of super spreading events where one or two patients can infect many people during some kind of mass gathering. This has been described elsewhere. There's been um, uh, such event in, in Singapore also related to, to a church gathering, another one at a conference. So clearly mass gathering um, give this possibility of those super spreading events. And as long as the outbreak is not contained, I would probably recommend to avoid um, places where people are really closely um, closely together, temporarily, and, and until there is a clearer view on, on, the, on the cluster. Right. Let me also ask you, if I may, I mean, very difficult for you to sum up uh, the entire sentiment of of Belgium or indeed of uh, of Europe more widely. But based on what you've seen reported and, and perhaps comments from others and your own instinct, given the spike in cases in South Korea, uh, what would attitudes towards South Korea be like? right now uh, we've we've had a lot of suspicion here for example about china and i've suspected a, a knock-on effect that other people further down the chain might be looking at south korea with suspicion um uh, in belgium i haven't felt so much um, suspicion i mean the, the 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 only 
Consequently, we have in Belgium at the moment is, is related to, uh, to the case definition. If people are showing symptoms compatible with the coronavirus infection and have been traveling from China, they would, uh, they would be tested. And, it, and in all likelihood, um, they may expand this case definition to people traveling from Korea, and that would be the main consequence. In terms of practical consequences, in terms of feeling of the people, you know, I have I have a Korean a visiting researcher in my lab, and I, and I'm, I haven't seen anyone you know looking, looking defined at, um, at at her, and um, and I and, and really I haven't had this feeling of that it's changing people's behaviour in the streets. No, certainly not. Would you have any qualms yourself right now in in travelling to Korea just out of interest? Um, I would. Do it, but I will be careful and, you know, and applying hygiene measures as often as I could. That's what I do. Okay. I, I would do. Right. I, I think with horrible winter viruses like norovirus, which may be slightly less serious, but far uh, more unpleasant, one might argue, in terms of symptoms in, in many of the cases. Uh, it's worth just practicing good hygiene anyway, isn't it? Um, Professor Gilbert, it's been a pleasure having you on the line with us. Thank you. Um, for what it's worth, and it's worth quite a lot, I would suggest, hearing there from an expert in epidemiology based in Brussels, Professor Marius Gilbert.